take a moment and consider, how would you describe a perfect day? What would that look like for you? Who would you be with? What would you be doing? How would you feel? Where would you be? When was the last time you thought about what your perfect day would be like? Maybe this is a question that you have never thought about before, or maybe this is a question that you think about constantly. No matter which side of the table you are on that, I really want you to take some time, pause this podcast if you need to, and take five minutes to really think about if you were to have an ideal day, what would you actually be doing in that day? Be sure to come back if you pause, because I have a question to follow up after that, which is this. The next question is, when you think about 10, 20, or 30 years from now, what do you want your life to look like? If you were to think about a day, 10, 20, or 30 years from now, that you would describe as an ideal day, so this is really what you're working towards right now in your life. What are you working towards having in your life in 10 to 30 years? Who would you be with? What would you be doing? Where would you be? How would you feel? Chances are that your answers to both of those situations, what your ideal day right now would look like and what your ideal day in 10 to 30 years would look like are very similar. Both of them probably come down to the fact that you want more time, more free time. You want more joy, less stress, less overwhelm. You want to be doing more of what you love doing and less of what you really don't enjoy doing. And right now you're sacrificing your ideal days in order to obtain it later. But what if you could have both now? In this episode, I am going to be talking about work-life balance, and not just work-life balance, but how to get the life that you want in 20 years from now, today, because I believe it's more possible than what we originally thought. I'm so excited to jump in to this episode with you. Hey, my name is Kimberly Beam Holmes, and this is It Starts With Attraction, where we discuss how to become the most attractive that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually, or as us insiders call it, the pies. You can become more attractive to others, and most importantly, to yourself. We will teach you how. Let's dive in. If you've ever wanted to know what your attractiveness score is, then I have a free guide that you're going to want to go and download. Now, I'm going to tell you that this isn't going to be like those quizzes or surveys or tests that you see online that are like, how hot are you or how sexy are you? Because I think those end up making people feel worse about themselves at the end than ever before. This free attraction assessment guide that I have created is a no gimmicks, truthful and honest representation of how you can assess yourself and see the areas of attraction 
that you feel most confident in and the areas of attraction where you need opportunity for growth. It's not going to be done in a way that makes you feel worse about yourself, but is going to give you real tools and tactics that you can begin to implement after you know which areas you should focus a little more on and which ones you're already slaying. You can go and get your free guide at itstartswithattraction.com. You'll see the opt-in form in the lower right-hand corner, and it'll be emailed to you immediately. I can't wait to hear about your results and your scores and the way that you decide to make some changes in your life so that you can be the most attractive that you can be. Go and get your free guide at itstartswithattraction.com. If you're listening to this episode on the day that it is coming out and being published, then you are with me right in the middle of year 2020, a year where work-life balance has wreaked havoc on our lives because work has become life. Work moved home. Work started infiltrating every part of what we do, and it became even more difficult to balance those two things. This year, we've had kids at home, learning from home. So now on top of trying to do your job, you're also trying to be a teacher. You're now a cook. You're now the only nanny or maid in your house. You probably had all of these tasks before. I'm not saying that we (laughs) have been able to hire those people. Wouldn't that be such a nice life? But this is probably something you've already been doing. But now the job titles are increasingly heaping on you and it seems like it's never going to end. The structure that you have had in your life has been disrupted, and you have been spending this past year figuring out how do you manage and balance this. Well, spoiler alert, the majority of people in the world have not learned to manage this very well. I have been included in this. And so I have been really diligent the past couple of months in figuring out how I can do this better. And I want to share some of the things that I have thought about, journaled about, and started doing in my own life that have really started to make an impact in decreasing my anxiety, decreasing my stress, and increasing the amount of joy and contentness that I feel on a day-to-day basis, as well as feeling like I can spend more time with my family and have less guilt about it. One of the things just starting into this that I want to say is this work-life balance isn't just for people who have quote-unquote normal jobs. This is for the stay-at-home parent, the person who's working full-time, the person who's working part-time, the person who is retired and doesn't really understand what to be doing with your life right now because what you used to enjoy for your free time and your hobbies, which could be classified here as your work, has now been taken away. And so how do we find that balance between the things that we are doing in order to set us up for our future, so this could be called our work, versus the current life that we have now and how to enjoy it? So there's something in here for everyone, whether you have a traditional job or you don't have a traditional job, because if you're doing something (laughs) to move your home, kids, family, or yourself forward on a day-to-day basis. We can classify that as work. The thing about work-life balance is that it's impossible. Even before 2020, it was impossible to actually separate and segregate your work from your life because it's two parts of who you are. 
But it became even more difficult this year because as work moved home, when there was more pressure to try and separate and segregate, then for many of us, it added to an increased level of stress of how do I keep work at work and keep home at home? How do I keep work in this little nook of my house that I'm working in or this one bedroom? And then when I walk out, how can I immediately change to be husband, wife, mom, dad, whatever that looks like, which has added even more frustration for us because now we're doing all of those things in the same house. So how can we do it even better? Well, let's talk first about some of the downsides of working too much, whether again, whether you're a stay at home parent and you're working too much on trying to keep the house in order, or whether you have that traditional job. From Harvard Business Review, they've looked at multiple studies and they see that there's actually an ideal amount of hours to work each week. And that ideal amount of hours that you're working towards something that's building your future is really between 35 and 45 hours a week. And the more you work above that 45 hours a week, you actually get a decreased amount of return. In fact, there was one study that showed that managers couldn't tell the difference between employees who actually worked for 80 hours a week and for those who just pretended to work 80 hours a week. One of the inferences we could take from that is there is a low level of difference. There is a diminished return in if you are putting in multiple hours, double the hours of everyone else versus other people who are just acting like they do, but they're actually enjoying their life a little bit much, you could tell no difference because the more you work over that 35 to 45 hours a week, there's little difference in your output. And in fact, there was another study that said there was no difference seen in people who worked 50 hours a week versus those who put in an extra 20 hours. They worked 70 hours a week There was literally no difference in what they could get done. So how can we work smarter, work better, and enjoy our life more right now? Because overwork results in stress that leads to all sorts of health problems. As noted in the Harvard Business Review, overwork and the stress that comes with it leads to problems like impaired sleep, depression, drinking more diabetes because your blood sugar gets out of whack, you're stressed and it increases your insulin, all of it gets messed up, impaired memory, and eventually heart disease. And all of these things, you may be hearing and thinking, I get it, but that applies to someone else. I want to tell you that I have started experiencing issues with my own blood sugar over this year as I've been tracking it because of increase in stress. This is something that is applying to you now, you probably just don't realize how much it's applying to you because you haven't taken the chance to look at it. If you are having problems falling asleep at night, or if you're waking up from 1 to 3 a.m. or even 3 to 5 a.m. and having trouble going back to sleep, then you are probably struggling with working too much, with doing too much, putting too much expectation on yourself and trying to overachieve. And we need to figure out how to balance that. Because I don't know about you, but while it might look nice and sound good to say that I've worked 70 or 80 hours a week, if there's actually a diminished amount of returns, then that's not the smartest thing for me to be doing with my time. So how can I 
make my life, make my days, use my time in such a way that I will get the most return out of my investment instead of a diminished return out of my investment. We wouldn't do that with our money. You would not knowingly put your money into something that would have a diminishing return because you would lose it. Well, guess what? Your health and your time are more important than your money. So let's start investing those in ways that's going to give you more return, more bang for your buck, as opposed to losing it. Because money, you can always make more of. You can't make more of your health. You have to take control of that now. You can't make more of your time. You only have a certain amount in your life, in your weeks, and in your days. So let's make the most of it. So I have three points that I want to share today, three ideas for you that you can begin to implement to find a better work-life integration. How can you do both and still have joy? The first one is disconnect. When you finish your workday, whether that's at 5 p.m., 3 p.m., 4, I don't care when it is. Whenever you finish your workday, make an intentional effort to put your phone away. Turn it off put it in the basement, put it in a safe. I don't care what you do with it. Put it somewhere to where you don't have to look at it and you're not going to be tempted to check social media, to check your email, or to be overwhelmed by expectations and requests that other people have for you. Even if you just do this for an hour an evening, please do it. In fact, I would encourage you to put your phone away, as you've heard before, at least an hour before bed and don't look at it. I would say, if you can, put it away, as I said, after work and don't look at it again. Now, you might be thinking, people might need me. Okay, then do something to eliminate the the email from your phone, do something to eliminate the social media from your phone, because those are things that are just going to mentally keep you working. And even if you're not working on something productive, which you're not, if you're checking email at night and just scrolling social media, then it's the diminishing returns we're talking about. You're not doing something enjoyable and you're not doing something that's letting your mind rest. Now you might say, well, when I'm scrolling on Instagram, I'm resting. My brain is taking a break. The truth is it's not. You might feel that way, but your brain is actually still working. It's still watching images. It's still being affected by certain messages and by certain things that you're going to see that might make you irritated, might make you mad, or even might make you feel bad about yourself. I have been off of social media for the most part for two months now, and I'm not saying I'm never going to go back, but... When I went back on my Instagram a couple of days ago just to see what was going on and I started scrolling, what I realized was Instagram has changed to where now it's it's showing pictures from things I'm not even following. And as soon as I saw that, I got mad at Instagram, which they're their own company. They're their own. They get to do what they want. It's my choice whether to be on it or not. But I thought before I loved how I could get to the end of my sh- of my feed and it would say no new posts because in mentally it gave me a reason to say I'm done no reason to continue I've seen it before everything past this and I spent an hour a couple of months ago before I got off Instagram unfollowing most people I think I'm following 40 different things now And so my newsfeed was really small. I really didn't get to see that much, which I loved. 
And so now it's not there. Now there's the unlimited scroll. And the reason I'm saying that is because our brains are working when we are engaging in that kind of activity. You're not getting rest. In fact, our brains need time to completely shut off. 10 years ago, when we didn't have smartphone usage this way, there wasn't this widespread social media. We, When we were standing in line at Starbucks or when we got off of work and got home at the end of the day, yes, we could turn on our TV and that would that's a form of stimulation, which we'll talk about in a minute. But we we didn't have something that was constantly engaging us. Our brains got the time that they needed to to kind of go into this relaxed state. And it's in that relaxed state that our brains are actually more creative. They're working behind the scenes to do problem solving. And our brains need that time, that down regulation, in order to recharge, reset, and to get ready to power up for the next day, even when we're still awake. So yes, sleep helps our brains reset, but it's that downtime during the day when we are just walking down the road, walking across the street, standing in line, not engaging with phones, talking to people with real conversations, like with our faces and our eyes and our and our mouth, (laughs) those things that allow our brains to have down regulation and have downtime. We've eliminated that severely in our lives. So I encourage you to disconnect. I encourage you to even get angry about how our phones and the way that they have been built, the way the apps have been built, our email accounts, our our social media have been built to grab our attention and to do something to change that, to really make a conscious effort, even if it's just for an hour or two a day, to say, how can I completely disconnect? I want to encourage you to disconnect for one day a week. Now, I realize you're not going to go without your phone for a full day every single week, although I would love if you did that. I think it would be very healthy for you. But instead to say, how can I disconnect from all work and all expectations for one day a week? How can I really have a day of rest? In the Jewish culture, I love this. They start their days with rest. Their new day begins when the sun goes down. That's what they consider the beginning of the next day, so that they actually begin their day with rest. They do that as well at the beginning of their week, the Sabbath day that many of us are aware of. They begin their week with rest because it's a reminder to them that they can't productively do work. They can't do the things that they need to do in their life unless they start it from a period of rest, unless they start it well rested. So how can you find that day where you disconnect, you don't work, you don't, maybe you don't even do housework. I know that might sound crazy, but you do something to rest and reset. And even further than that, I would encourage you to disconnect for a week or two a year. I remember the first time I did this in 2017, I had been working for 12-hour days, six to seven days a week for three to four years at this point. Frazzled doesn't even begin to describe my life at that time. In fact, in 2014, three years before that, I had been working so much 
and honestly drinking way too much because I was working so much that my husband forced me to go on a vacation with him. We lived in Texas at the time and he he booked a vacation. He said, you're going, we are leaving and you are not taking your computer. And he booked a vacation for us to go to South Padre Island for three days, only for three days. I went and the whole time, all I could think about was work. And I still had my phone and I was still working on the side. I would wake up early to go do work when I was supposed to be on vacation. I could not wrap my mind around how to rest and how to disconnect because I so strongly felt that the success of what I did was fully dependent on me constantly working. So I felt like the more hours I worked, that the better it would be, the more I would achieve, the more I would get done. And that is exactly what we talked about at the beginning of the podcast is not true. There was a diminishing amount of returns. And looking back, I can see how I was working 80 to 100 hours a week and probably not getting more done than if I was working half that time. So in 2017, I booked a trip for my husband and I to go on It was before we had kids, and I really wanted to get away and actually go into a full vacation where I would not work. So at this point, it took me three to four years to get to the point where I said, I need to get away. I need to have time to reset. So I remember getting on the plane. We were going to the one of the smaller Cayman Islands called Cayman Brock, and When we get on the plane, I didn't take my computer. I did take my phone, but I disconnected from all email. I logged out and I wasn't going to let myself check email the whole time. The trip was a week long. For the first three days, my mind was going crazy. I was shaking. I was so nervous and my anxiety was so high because I wasn't allowing myself to check my phone. I wasn't allowing myself to work. I wasn't allowing myself to check email. And it was literally like I was being broken from an addiction. I was having withdrawal symptoms. It was the strangest thing I have ever experienced. At day four, I it felt like I was starting to unwind. It literally felt in my body, in my muscles, in my mind, like there had been a tightly wound ball of string that was now coming undone. And for the next four days, it was the most amazing time of my life. I even think back to that trip now because it was the first time I learned how to disconnect and felt that feeling of freedom and being able to breathe and not having to worry. And I look back on that trip with such fond memories as one of the best trips I've ever been on. Even though we really didn't do that much, it was a time to rest and relax. And from that time, even though at the end of our trip, we had to outrun a hurricane, we got on the last plane out of Cayman Brock before Hurricane Irma came. We were on the last plane out of Miami before they were shutting the airport down. I had no anxiety. I just, the way I was interpreting and handling that situation was so different than if I had been in that situation and had all of the extra pressure and stress from my life with working too much. Because here's the other thing that Harvard Business Review talks about. 
It talked about how when someone has a job that relies on interpersonal communication or making judgment calls or being able to read other people's faces or emotions or managing your own emotional reactions, then the more you work and the more overworked you are, the less likely you are to do any of those things well. Here's the interesting thing. If you are a spouse, a parent, or in any kind of relationship in your life, then if you are overworked, it doesn't just matter if your job has to do with these things, your life has to do with these things. And I believe that your interpersonal communication is going to be affected by working too much. The judgment calls that you make, your emotional reactions to things that happen in your parenting and in your marriage, being able to read other people's emotions and have empathy towards them are all going to be negatively affected when you have spent too much time working. I so strongly believe that you need to have set and scheduled periods of rest and disconnection from your computer, from your phone, from technology, from things that stress you out on a daily, weekly, and yearly basis. And even more so, if when I say this, you're thinking that's impossible, it's even more of a reason for you to start doing it now. I've been in those shoes. It's not healthy for you. You've got to learn how to have rest and relaxation. Tip number two is to start thinking forward. Just this past week, I was having a conversation with a friend who is now in his 60s. And the question that he is going through right now in his life is, what does the next chapter of my life look like? So he's thinking back to everything he's done. He's had a successful career. He's done many different things that he's loved to do on the work front. But now he's saying, how do I do more of what I enjoy? How do I do more that can help me give back? How can I do more that gives me more time with my wife, more time for us to enjoy retirement, so to say, together, even though he doesn't necessarily want to retire? And I was listening to him asking these questions. And at the end of it, I asked him, do you wish that you had started thinking this way earlier? To which he said, a hundred percent. And what I meant by that question was, do you wish that when you were in your 20s and 30s, that you had been asking yourself, how can I enjoy my life now while also doing the things I need to do to provide for my family and to set me up for future success. Because what I hear so much of the time, and I know you have too, is that when people get towards those later stages of their life and start looking back, they say, I wish I had spent more time with my family. I wish I had spent more time with my children when they were young. I wish I had been more available. I wish, I wish, I wish. Well, what if we were actually able to start doing those things now? Last week, the week before my birthday, the day before my birthday, actually, I have a tradition where I go out by myself. I go in the woods. I go hiking. I get to a place where I can sit down and I can start thinking backwards at all of the changes that have happened in my life this past year. And I journal about that. And then I start looking forward. And I start thinking about what I want my life to look like moving forward. 
Well, this past year, the week before my birthday, I'd actually read this book by Michael Hyatt called Living Forward that gives a structure and a framework of how you can start proactively thinking about your life and making what's called a life plan to follow that you review on a quarterly basis that really helps you set your priorities. And I won't give all of it away. It's a great book. I encourage you to read it. But the basis of it is starting by writing your obituary which sounds incredibly grim, and it very much was to do it, but that's part of the point, that you start thinking of how will I leave my life and how will the people I care most about in my life remember me when I'm gone? What do I want that to be? And then after doing that, identifying who were the people that I wanted to remember me. And then from there, moving even more out and thinking, what are the priorities that I want to have in my life, knowing the impact I want to make, knowing the people that I want to impact, then how does that drive what my priorities should be? And it's a way to think forward by kind of starting with the end in mind, but letting you be more proactive in the actions that you take, the way you put your schedule in place on a weekly basis and all of those things. So what it ended up looking like for me, I won't tell you everything, but Part of what my buckets that I call them look like, the buckets that I want to focus on that matter most to me for my life. The first one is, as a Christian, my relationship with God. The second one, interestingly, was my health and self-care. And I really struggled with whether I should put that second because I didn't want to be selfish. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought I can't give the best of myself to my relationships, to my kids, to my husband, to my work, to all these things that I want to do in my life, if I don't make sure that I am doing the best that I can physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually with my pies. So I'm viewing that as a way of filling myself up before I'm able to give of myself to these other things in my life that matter most. It's not a place of selfishness. It's a place of wanting to be the healthiest I can be so that I can be the healthiest in these other relationships and areas of my life. My relationship with with Rob, my husband, was the next one, and then my kids. And from there, my purpose, which includes my work, the things that I do. But adventure was another bucket for me. Because one of the things that fills me up is new experiences, going to new restaurants, traveling, going to new places, experiencing new cultures, seeing things from different perspectives is something that invigorates me. Missions, that's another bucket for me. Leadership, there were some others that came from it. But as I was identifying these buckets or priorities that I wanted to really focus on in my life, I felt revitalized. Seeing them on paper and realizing these are the things that matter most to me, and these are the things I want to do in each of those buckets that will really keep me focused and moving forward in developing these relationships and in developing the way that I want my life to move forward, it gave me focus, which then allowed me to go to number three, which is that I don't want to wait until it's too late to live the life that I want. And that's true for you too. So number three is prioritize the life that you want now. 
Now, I believe that this will change through the seasons of our life, and it may very well be that this season of your life, you're not going to be able to go and buy an RV and quit your job and just go across the country if that's one of the things that you're wanting to do in 30 years from now. But it very well could be that you could start having tastes of that and sprinkling parts of how that makes you feel into the current life and reality that you have now. So as I mentioned, for me, one of my big things is adventure. I love to travel. In fact, one of the things my husband and I did on my birthday this past this past week was we made a list of the top 100 places that we wanted to go to over the next 30 years. And just writing that list gave me that sense of adventure because for the past nine months of this year, we haven't been able to go anywhere or do much of anything. And so it can feel very suffocating when something that you love to do has been taken from you. But the question is, how can you add sprinkles of that to where you are now? So you may not be able to jump on a plane and experience a brand new country right now. But how can you still, if you love adventure like I do, how can you still go out and have some kind of adventure? For me, what I have committed to do is every weekend going and hiking somewhere, maybe taking the kids, taking my husband, taking all of us, but going out and doing something that gives us a sense of a new adventure, gives us a sense of being able to go out and do something exciting and new. That can help fill that bucket for me. But it also helps because now since I know that travel, adventure, those things are important, it helps me to create and think about how I want to prioritize not just my day-to-day right now, but the next couple of years in order to get to where we can do those things that we so want to do together. So it gives a direction. It gives a vision to where we want to go. And when I know where we want to go then all we have to do is set the steps and the path to move towards going there. What's so frustrating is when you feel like you're floating through life and you don't know where you're going. You don't know where you want to go. And so then life can become boring because there's no vision. There's no goal. There's nothing you're working towards. And it could be for you that you are working towards wanting to go back to school And maybe you can't do that right now, but what could you do right now to either save the money for that or to begin learning? Maybe you're saying, I want to go back to school because I love learning. Well, how can you incorporate learning new things on a consistent basis, even right now in your life, even if that part of it, going back to school, finishing a degree is not attainable to you? How can you sprinkle part of that in your life now? You may be saying, I just want some time alone. I just want some time to think, to have silence, to get away from things. And I can't do that right now because kids are here and they we can't go to grandparents' house and everything is very difficult. And I completely understand. I would want to ask you this question. If you had to figure out how to do this thing that you want to do, whether it's getting some alone time, whether it's getting enough money into your bank account to where you feel financially secure, whether it's wanting to go on a big trip, or maybe it's wanting to have a better relationship with your spouse, whatever it might be that you're wanting to work towards. If you had to figure out how to do it right now, 
So take the alone time example. If you wanted three days of alone time and you had to figure out how to get that right now, you had no choice, then what would you do? Too many times we give ourselves excuses as to why we can't do the things that we know we need to do for ourselves or that we really want to do to enhance ourselves right now. But if you had to actually find out how to do it, as my mother has always said, where there's a will, there's a way. You could figure out some kind of solution. It may not be perfect. It may not be long-term. It may not be the one that is most ideal for you. But how can you find a solution now to get you a taste of what you need? You may want a week of alone time. That may not be the reality that you can take right now. So how could you get a few hours of alone time on a weekly basis? Maybe you swap childcare with a friend of yours. They have a kid, you have a kid, both of you want some alone time. So how can you swap days where you'll watch her kids for a couple of hours and then she'll watch your kids for a couple of hours? It is a possible solution for now. Maybe even thinking about childcare. You may be thinking, I don't have the money for that. If you had to do it and it was so important for you to get that time alone so that you could be reset, recharged, be a better parent, be a more focused person at work because you had that time, then maybe it's worth the 30 or $40 for you to have that because your production and the decrease in stress in your life is worth more than that in your current circumstances. Maybe it's that you start shifting some bedtimes so that everyone goes to bed earlier and you get enough sleep, but wake up earlier than your children so that you can have your alone time in the morning. There will be sacrifices because for any of these things that I'm talking about, there's sacrifices. The things that I want to do in my life, they're sacrifices. In thinking about the relationship I want to have with my husband and how to make it better than it's been for the past 10 years, how can we make it even better the next 10? We need to have alone time. We need to have those three-day vacations together a couple of times a year. We need to have that experience and adventure together. That's something that our relationship needs. That means I'm going to have to sacrifice time at work, It means I'm going to have to sacrifice maybe some things that I want to do because it's more important for me to be with him. It's more important for me to do what some of the things that he loves to do so that we can be together and have that time. The time with my kids, I really had to write down what mattered to me. And I know I'm going to have to start sacrificing some of the things that I'm currently doing at work because it's more important for me long term to have a relationship with my children to where when they are adults, they are calling me every day and they want to come home for the holidays. So even though they're six and three right now, I have to begin fostering and nurturing that relationship. Now, that matters to me. I don't want to look back in 10 to 20 years from now and say, I wish I would have spent more time with my children. I know I'm already going to feel that way. Even if I do spend all my time with them, I'm sure I'd feel that way. But I want to find a better balance of that now. I want to find that life that I'm working towards for retirement. I want it now. Why should we have to wait? There's a story of a man 
who lived down in the Caribbean. And a, a businessman went down on vacation with his wife and, and saw this man who was in his mid-40s. And every day he would go out and fish and bring back just enough that he wanted for he and his family. He had kind of a lazy life. He was able to take a siesta every single afternoon. He was able to take life on a very leisurely basis. And when this businessman met him on his vacation, he said, you know, you could make this into a business. You could earn more money. You could have a better life for your family. To which the man who who lived down there, he said, but why would I want to do that? So that I could work in order to have a life where I'm then able to do what I want to do every day, which is what I'm doing now. I think of that story often. And I think, how can I make it to where I'm not grinding and hustling and doing all of these things for the next 10 to 20 years in order to create a life for me and my family that I would love in 10 to 20 years from now? Because so much time has passed. How instead... Can I set my days differently, set my schedule differently, set my priorities differently to where I have that ideal day more often than not now? Because my ideal day, going back to what we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, would be where I wake up, I spend some time reading, I spend time journaling, I don't have any commitments that I have to be at at a certain time. I'm able to go for a hike in the morning. I'm able to do some yoga. I'm able to get my workout in, whatever I want to do that day. I'm able to spend time with my husband in the morning and my kids. And then after getting to where I feel my stress is in check, my anxiety is in check, then maybe I go explore and I go do something. Maybe we're on vacation or maybe I I go and I do some things I enjoy doing. Maybe I go and I, I write some. Maybe I go and do some work, but it comes from a place of wanting to and not feeling like I have to. That's That sounds like an ideal day for me. Well, in reality, it is possible for me to structure my day to have more of that now. Some days, not so much. Some days there's too much housework, there's too many meetings, there's too many things on my schedule that I can't have that nice leisurely time. I can't be in a new place on vacation, but the opportunities are there for me to have more of that ideal day in my life than I'm currently having now. And I believe that's also true for you. So here are my three key pies takeaways that I have for you from today's episode. The first is disconnect. An hour a day, a day a week, and a week a year. Make that your minimum that you work towards. And I promise you will begin to see major returns on your investment of having time to rest. The second key takeaway is to start identifying what matters in your life now. Consider getting the book Living Forward by Michael Hyatt, or even just the description that I've already given you may be enough for you to start to think of what are the things that matter most to me and why do those things matter? What do I want those relationships or different goals or buckets, as I call them, to look like in 20 to 30 years? And how can I start moving towards that? The third key pies takeaway, which is to prioritize your time 
in your day based on the life that you want to live? How can you begin to set your day differently to where you feel more joy, less overwhelm, and more connected to the people in your life, the purpose of your life, and the plan that you have for your life? You can start with small things that are within your control, like going for a hike at lunch if you're working from home and you can't get away to go do that, or renting a camper for a weekend if you have an end goal of wanting to take an RV around the country. How can you get small tastes of what you're working towards in your life right now? Because the only person stopping you from living a life that you love is you. How can you begin to live life differently? Go get your free attraction assessment at itstartswithattraction.com. In this assessment, you will be able to self-assess yourself in all four areas of attraction to see the areas in which you could use the most growth and to identify the areas that you are already slaying it. Go get your free guide at itstartswithattraction.com. Friends, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Remember to go and subscribe to this podcast and leave an honest review. I love to hear from you guys. So be sure to go and do that. And it will also help more people find the podcast as well. You can always find out more information by going to itstartswithattraction.com for show notes, for updates, and to join the email list so that every Friday you can get an encouraging email that specifically tells you what you can do to work on your pies so that you can become the best that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. Until next week, keep working on your pies and stay strong.